in a challenging environment, the thing that you can rely on is uh, having a really good positive cash flows, having um, good uh, solid profits so that when things go a little bit weird and the world changes, then you have a buffer. Oh yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision? We will always have enough cash around. Strictly business. Business. Hello, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to speak with experts in building better businesses from the finance function out. In this episode, I spoke with consultant, investor, and tiny CFO founder, Jana Kovachowska. Tiny CFO is Jana's professional blog, offering actionable advice on financial processes and best practices to small business owners. It's simple, clear, and answers the common financial questions founders tackle on a daily basis. Jana is also a senior investor at Software Club and has been an interim finance leader at Deliveroo, the business of fashion, and FutureLearn. We talked about the balance between profitability and growth, startup best practices, and the key trends she's focused on for the coming year. As always, the show is brought to you by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.eu and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.eu with any questions or feedback. Jana Kovachowska, welcome to CFO Yeah. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Perhaps to begin, you could start by telling us a bit about your background and what led you to found Tiny CFO. Yeah, so my name is Jana and I'm the founder of Tiny CFO um, and we're on a mission to bring the benefits of a CFO to small businesses who don't have one yet. Um, I started my career in strategy consulting and so early on I was more focused on that strategic high-level picture and then I got more into finance by working in venture capital and that's when I started to dig deeper and get a more thorough understanding of the financial metrics and drivers and how it all fits together. And so that made me really excited about finance. And um, I realized that it's super essential um, to have good financial management for a new company to quote unquote, be able to make it to be successful in the long term, which is what made me launch Tiny CFO. So I take it you haven't always been a finance person then? No, I haven't. Um, I originally was really focused more on strategy. And so the majority of the work was really that big picture, um, big picture stuff, uh, which markets we should enter, which new products we should think about launching. Um, and it was that that job in venture capital that made me realize how some of these big picture topics are connected to much more granular level of detail, how they're connected to the financial metrics and how it can all be applied to more entrepreneurial contexts, which is what I was fundamentally most passionate about. So that was my segue into finance. And then I built on that understanding um, in the last couple of years. And once you left that venture capital role, what happened between then and founding Tiny CFO? 
Yes, so I was spending most of my time doing interim finance and strategy work for more established startups as well as some corporates. So I was in an independent capacity. And then alongside, I was mentoring early stage founders and those who run independent businesses on the side. And that's how I would spend uh, most of my uh, most of my working hours. And so while doing that, I noticed that many founders have similar questions and that to some extent, I keep repeating myself in different conversations. Um, so I thought, you know, how can I have more impact than I have one-on-one? Uh, -on -one? How can I reach more people? And how can I make sure that these founders have the information that they need to make their businesses stronger, more resilient, more successful? So once I realized that that's ultimately what I would like to see uh, starting Tiny CFO was just a very obvious next step. And I did that last year. Did you have a particular focus in mind? Uh, I don't know, tech or, or B2B? Or were you dealing with a whole range of founders and still finding similar problems across the board? Yeah, I think that many of the challenges are very similar, especially in the early stages. Uh, just about everyone is worried about running out of cash. Um, just about everyone is uh, worried about how to grow the company to the next level. Um, and um, I don't focus on one sector because I feel quite strongly that many of these things are really transferable from one context to another and you just need to be a little bit sensitive to the context but you don't have to focus on one sector specifically um, and i would say you know the most common thing that founders are struggling with is that sort of a feeling that you're not quite in control that things are not quite under control as much as you would like them to be. Um, it means that they often lack transparency on important KPIs, on things like cash flow, on gross margins, on customer acquisition costs, um, lots of different things depending on the business. And as a result, they often need to make decisions while being completely in the dark about how these decisions affect the numbers and vice versa. So as you can imagine, that's a very difficult spot to be in. Um, and especially if you're growing rapidly, things are becoming more complex very quickly and you're making big investments such as hiring lots of people or developing new products or expanding internationally. And so maybe while some level of messiness could have been just about manageable when you were smaller, all of a sudden it becomes a real issue as you grow. And I can see how that's a concern for many people. You talked about mentoring founders, and I really think that that sort of carries over into the work that you've done in, in Tiny CFO. The, the writing and the, the content itself is sort of accessible and, and understandable, but still full of really high value um, strategy. Uh, so if you are listening to this and you haven't seen Tiny CFO yet, absolutely check it out. Is that the goal of, of the blog? Yes, absolutely. So um, I think there is a great amount of very sophisticated finance content out, out there. Of course, there is a, a huge amount of academic literature. Uh, there are places like Harvard Business Review that have, uh, you know, very, very uh, thorough coverage of these topics. Uh, where I saw uh, some space for something maybe a little bit different was um, that I don't want to assume uh, that a founder has a financial sort of education. They don't have to have an MBA. Uh, maybe they studied design. In fact, some of the people that I mentored were coming from creative industries or were coming from places like engineering um, and they wouldn't necessarily know that much about finance. So 
to go from that place um, and to jump straight into reading, you know, some corporate finance um, textbook, um, which uh, maybe assumes that you know a little bit more about what these concepts mean already. That is very hard. And it's also very hard to see how it applies to your business when things are presented in a more theoretical way. So um, that was really the driver. I thought maybe I can make it sound really accessible um, and really something that you want to read and want to engage with and is not a, a very long read either. So, so yeah, make it easy for them to get this uh, information. Yeah, and of course, there's already a ton of information out there for founders on those kind of key startup concepts like growth and developing an MVP and product market fit and that sort of thing. And then you're really offering that around more financial topics. Yes, of course. I think uh, you're exactly right. I think in the venture capital space and the startup space, uh, a lot of the VCs have great content themselves. Um, and uh, that is very important and it really serves its purpose. But fundamentally, it's focused on the founders who want to be on that uh, growth trajectory that the VCs are looking for. Um, whereas what I see space for is if somebody is looking to grow in an independent manner or wants to be profitable um, and want to grow organically, uh, they still need to understand some of these topics to do that successfully. And I don't see as much content tailored to those types of founders. So, um, but the way I think about it is that tiny CFO is for you if you want to grow a profitable company because a profitable company can still get VC funding. That's totally doable. Um, so I think that's what I'm targeting and that's who I'm thinking of uh, when I write. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. So when you are speaking to or writing for a founder for the first time, um, what's the kind of advice that they really need? So often when I talk to founders who don't have finance backgrounds, um, they don't feel very comfortable about these topics. They uh, hope that the issues will just go away or that the accountants will take care of it and they don't really engage with the numbers. And I think to as much as possible to start doing that, to start actually looking at the numbers, even if you don't really know how to make sense of it all uh, at the beginning, I think that's really important. So just overcoming that frustration and that maybe uh, first feeling of uh, let's just not deal with that. I think that's, that's a great place to start. And then I think, uh, you know, hiring an accountant is a very obvious step uh, early on to take care of the day-to-day -day issues. 
And then uh, when you will hit the point when um, you have more questions than your accountant can reasonably answer, and once you start feeling that maybe you would like to have a little bit more control that you already have uh, by having an accountant, I would say don't wait much longer before you hire an FD or a CFO, even if it's just a part-time hire for now, um, because it will really help you uh, get that um, higher level insights that you need to grow. And so what I would advise to do alongside all this is to learn more about these topics, because as a CEO, it is ultimately your responsibility to make sure that the company does well. And finance is a very big part of that. So I think engaging with this topic and learning uh, a bit more about it is is a very helpful uh, thing to spend your time on. Mm. And now maybe to sort of flip that question on its head, um, obviously our audience is mostly made up of, of finance people, CFOs and finance leaders. They may be coming into companies for the first time, you know, companies that have not had a CFO or a real finance team before. What do you think is the biggest value that they can offer to founders, uh, perhaps in the same way that you do with your content? Yes, so um, I think uh, the best practice finance function of the future is definitely one where all the routine tasks are automated as much as possible. Um, so it does make sense to spend time on initially on the sort of first financial setup to make sure that things are not being done manually um, if they don't have to be. And that's real humans, such as the CFO or other senior finance people, are only there to A, first put these processes in place and then crucially to come up with the insights, uh, do the strategic planning, make sure that the insights are uh, presented and understood in the right context, and in general focus on value-adding activities rather than the routine. And um, I think it's very important for any CFO to realize and understand what kind of company are you dealing with in terms of the growth ambition. So uh, what I see as sometimes a problem is um, if you are maybe coming from a background where the companies were not growing so quickly and then you are in a startup and the company is trying to triple its size from one year to another, um, it's very important to be aware of that and the fact that that will present a different set of challenges uh, that will require a slightly different um, set of um, you know analysis and uh, different type of financial management than when you're um, running a finance function in a company where it's much more business as usual and and maybe slight growth over time. As you were speaking, a, a thought just sort of popped into my head and I'd love to get your take on it, your opinion. Uh, obviously, there's the kind of cliched idea of a startup where you're moving as fast as you can, growing at all costs, you know, move fast and break things is the cliche. And in a lot of cases, the CFO is sort of seen as the antithesis of that, the opposite of that, where a CFO is really about risk management and, you know, controlling cash and, and making sure that the right processes are in place. And so I wonder from your perspective, is are those two ideas really in competition or is it quite natural to, you know, on the one hand, move fast and break things and on the other hand, have sound financial processes? Um, that's a very interesting question. I haven't thought about it that way, but uh, a way I would think about it is that, yes, there is a tension between growth and profit because profit ultimately 
is um, you know what's left in the company after you cover all the costs and if you're spending a lot more on the growth there may not be that much left or in fact many startups are not profitable and so there is a tension between these two things and I think that's very important to my earlier point to realize what kind of company do you have what is your overarching strategy is it growth at almost literally at all costs or is it a little bit more mindful and are you uh, willing and able to slow down uh, you know to preserve uh, either the profitability or to to improve other things as you go so I think that's that's one thing that's uh, very important there and then maybe you touched on a different thing which is just the tension between um, you know going fast and breaking things and having a more of a plan and processes in place. And I think uh, it's important to do it in a in an appropriate way to kind of meet in the middle. So um, a small startup that's just starting out uh, is probably not going to need corporate processes. Um, and it would be an overkill to take processes from big corporations and apply them, um, all of them, to a smaller company. And you know, it would be counterproductive and it would be un unnecessary. Um, but on the other side, uh, I think uh, as you grow, you need to kind of pick and choose like what is really important to implement already uh, at that stage and what will make your life just easier going forward. Because ultimately, good processes make things easier, smoother, more efficient rather than are a burden to the company. Mm. And really, this is something that you need to get a firm grasp of if you are, say, a new CFO moving into um, a new company. You want to have an idea of what the philosophy is behind the company before you join it. If you are really a risk management expert and what you want to do is keep things under tight control, then joining a company that's trying to move really fast and break things is, is maybe not the right fit for you. Uh, I bring this up because we, we wrote an article a bit over a year ago with Oliver Ottens, who's the CFO at Audi Bene in Germany. And he basically explained that, that the company um, culture and the company policy was actually, we're going to take some risks and we might end up getting in a little bit of, you know, not serious trouble, but we might have to pay some fines and do, do some things to, to make up for it. And it's going to be worth it because the overall growth uh, will be big enough. And I found that really fascinating hearing that from a CFO himself. Yeah, I think that's exactly that's exactly a, a great example of um, having being aware that there is a bit of a tension, but then finding the right compromise. I don't like the word compromise, but meeting in the middle where it mo most makes sense for the company. Um, and yeah, I, I agree completely. That's uh, that's the type of thinking that takes place in those companies. But you'd agree with me that that's a conversation you really need to have before you take the job as CFO. Yes, absolutely. You know, you need to know um, how big is the company now, uh, what the growth prospects are, what the ambition is. Uh, is it a company that recently took on Series A and is expected to grow very, very quickly? Um, you know, what what were the the discussions with the investors who are now on board, um, what growth do they expect um, from the company? I think this is a very important context to have uh, before you start. Um, on the other side of that, you may want to be a CFO of a 
more traditional small business that maybe won't be growing as fast, but uh, you will enjoy the job and um, and that can be a very fulfilling career, I believe as well. Uh, but again, it's important to know that this is what the company is, that this is not a company that's going to become a unicorn in five years. Um, this is a company that's optimized for perhaps other things and uh, then not be disappointed when you want one and kind of end up with the other. Uh, I think that's that's what's crucial because that doesn't help anyone, doesn't help you as the CFO and it doesn't help the founder who uh, has a sort of misaligned expectations. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. A lot of your work focuses on profitability and sort of contrasting that with growth at all costs. I wonder, obviously, we can't do a a podcast right now without talking about COVID. And so I wonder whether your work or your your points of focus changed at all over the last year. Um, Obviously, we've spoken to lots of CFOs who, in fact, themselves had to focus more on profitability or, or at least reducing spend. Uh, keeping a cap on cash. Um, did did your focus points change at all in the last year? So my focus has always been, or personally, I have always believed that being a profitable company is a good thing. And if you can grow very quickly and be a profitable company, that's great. Uh, but if you can only be profitable, if you slow the growth just a little bit, then that's still still a good place to be. So um, it wasn't always a pop- popular opinion, um, but that's that has been something that I really um, I really embraced uh, as as how you know my philosophy of how I see these things uh, over the last couple of years. And so I wouldn't say that in COVID times this changed dramatically um, because it's really about having strong financial uh, basis for 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 the company and so that is I think only more relevant now than uh, than it was maybe a few years back in a challenging environment the thing that you can rely on is uh, having a really good positive cash flows, having um, good, uh, solid profits so that when things go a little bit weird and the world changes, then you have a buffer and you are not uh, at the mercy of the VCs, many of whom are great, of course, but you don't want to be in a situation where your only way to save your company is to raise money. I think um, I think it's a tough situation to be in, and that's why so many startups fail because they don't manage to get that next race. Um, and if they were financially sustainable on their own, and the VC money would just be um, something to help fuel more growth, but wouldn't be sort of a life or death uh, situation, I think uh, we would have many more successful companies around. So. Yeah, I would say that uh, my philosophy essentially remains the same. And did you see more interest in your philosophy over the last year? 
Yeah, I think there is a big trend uh, amongst VCs to value profitability a bit more. I don't have the hard data. This is just anecdotal evidence, but uh, I have recently read an interview with Kirsten Green from uh, Forerunner Ventures, and uh, she said something along the lines that they're most interested in companies or very interested in companies that have the potential to deliver a solid double-digit um, net margin. And I think that's really interesting because traditionally, I think uh, VCs were quite comfortable to say you won't turn profit for I don't know how many years or until the IPO and so on. And I think um, we see a lot more VCs saying if you can be profitable without us, that's uh, that's very attractive to us. And then, you know, we can help you growth. Uh, we can provide that capital. Um, and uh, Kirsten Green is one of the one of the best out there. Um, and so I was I was pleased to see that. And uh, it was definitely something that. I don't know if it's a new thing for Forerunner, but it definitely registered in my brain as, oh, that's interesting that she's saying that. Mm, speaking of new trends, are there any that you're particularly focused on for the next year? So I'm working on something very exciting around forecasting um, with the aim to make it super accessible and useful for founders. And I can't share that much more about it yet, but uh, if you'd like to learn more about that, then my newsletter is where it's all going to be happening and you can subscribe at tinycfo.com and that's how you will um, know when it launches. But uh, that's a big topic that I would like to tackle and make it uh, really easy and really useful for founders. Well, without giving anything away, can you give us any keys to good forecasting at the moment? I can. I can uh, tell you that uh, the way I think about it is um, really focusing on the few main drivers and the few things that are the most important ones and that make the most difference for your business. So rather than sometimes people tend to lose um, themselves in the detail of financial modeling, um, and that's very difficult uh, for, for founders to kind of understand all those different inputs and all those different things that are happening in those models. Um, focus on the things that are the most important ones and uh, figure out how they all fit together. And that ultimately will give you the majority of the insight that you need, grow the company uh, really successfully. And while we're on forecasting, uh, obviously we've been talking about it a lot over the last 12 months because I think a lot of CFOs have been really focused on it as, a, as, a, as something that they feel they need to do more and more often. So I wonder what, first of all, what you feel is the appropriate cadence uh, with which to do forecasting. And then if you have any specific tools or tips that you would recommend. So I would say um, the default is monthly to make sure to check how things are going versus the forecast. And then um, if you're using a rolling one, um, kind of reforecast that one more month into the future. I think that's a that's a good kind of good advice in general. Of course, when things get really difficult, some things need to be forecasted on a daily basis in terms of granularity. So if you're running out of cash in a month, it's very important to not just know that it's next month, but it's important to know that um, you know, it's going to be a Tuesday the 7th or something like that. So you need to be much more hands-on if your runway is really short or if you're in any sort of a real trouble, um, then I understand that obsession almost that maybe you're talking about of like reforecasting things a lot because yes, that's, uh, that's when it becomes, um, 
yeah, that's when it becomes really important to have an accurate picture and to have a have a very thorough understanding of, especially of the short term. Um, in terms of the tools, uh, that's an interesting question, and I get that a lot. And uh, I have so far seen quite a few finance tools that are great at um, showing us the analysis of the past and the numbers in the past. Uh, not so much yet tools that would be very good at forecasting. And why I think that's the case, because if you understand how um, these tools work, usually they just extrapolate existing trends. So it says, you know, in if we grew 5% every month last year, let's extrapolate that into the future. And then all the other trends that are happening in the data are extrapolated. And that tells you, for example, when you're running out of cash or what the profit will be like or whatever else it is. Now, the problem is that especially as a startup or if you're in a, a small business that's um, changing things quite a lot still, so it's not you know, set in stone in a way, but it's really, it's really dynamic. Um, you can't just take the existing trends into account. You need to also incorporate things like uh, all sorts of strategic initiatives that you may be undertaking, all sorts of plans of things that you want to do differently. And I don't think that the tool has any chance of knowing that. So I think there is this quite critical um, human input uh, that really um, is necessary to have some accurate understanding of, of what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend one tool because I think that, um, or I have yet to meet a CFO who uh, wouldn't do the forecasting or wouldn't be involved in it in some human capacity. Well, before we get to our, our final quick fire questions that, with which we finish every podcast, I have maybe a tricky one because it's very general. Are you optimistic about the near future? Obviously, the cliche is we've had a, a difficult year. It's been a difficult time. Um, are we out of the woods, do you think, for, for businesses? Do you think, or, or is there going to be sort of a long tail on COVID and we'll be talking about it two years from now? Um, that's a very interesting um, question, and I think the answer to that is that COVID will have some lasting impact on how we think about business, because I think there are many people, definitely myself included, who couldn't imagine something like the pandemic um, before it happened. Um, we couldn't imagine two years ago that this would happen and we would, you know, stay home for over a year. And um, so many businesses are affected in ways that um, definitely they didn't plan for, right? Because you just don't expect the whole fabric of society to change so much. So um, I think that it will have some lasting impact. And I think that perhaps um, businesses will become a little bit less um, risk um, will maybe have a little bit less appetite for risk, uh, but it's very it's 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 very complicated because then for other businesses it really helped them 
almost, you know, uh, I'm sure Zoom is doing great and lots of other companies like that are doing great. So maybe for them, it will also have a lasting impact just in a different way. So, so yeah, I think it's hard to tell, but I don't think that it will be business as usual the way we were, you know, two years ago, as if nothing happened. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be really interesting for companies like Zoom, who obviously, you know, they're the, the cliche um, good news story that came out of COVID in a way, you know, in, incredible growth. And of course, they're a good tool and they were popular already. So they're, they're going to be a good business. But it will be interesting to see if things start going back to quote unquote normal whether their appetite and companies like them it doesn't have to just be zoom but uh, companies like those whether their appetite for slowed growth compared with what they had in the last 12 months um whether that will be seen as sufficient or if they'll just have to try to prove that that growth actually didn't come from COVID necessarily that was the catalyst but we were always going to grow and we're going to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing um yeah i think that's going to be an interesting again landscape to watch yeah, definitely. I don't have an answer to that one. I think uh, we will need to wait and see. Yeah, well, it wasn't even a question. I was just thinking out loud. So fair enough. Uh, let's turn now to our quickfire questions. And the first one is, what's one finance tool that you couldn't live without? So to say completely honestly, I can definitely see a life without even a laptop. Um, but otherwise, I would have to say zero. Oh, tell us what you love about zero. Uh, well, because I work mostly with businesses that use it and I can see that it's very powerful and at the same time has the sort of appropriate level of complexity for these kinds of businesses. So I can see how, you know, it's very useful and um, there are lots of things about it that, that I really like, but mostly I like how it's appropriate for a company at a certain point in their journey. Nice. If there was one part of your day-to-day -day that you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? So I'd have to say uh, manual data reconciliation. I don't do it every day um, and it doesn't happen as often because I try to take my own advice and leverage technology as much as possible. But when it does happen, it's always a pain and I definitely wish I could just make it happen and you know make it go away and have the problem solved without me having to do that or having to ask someone else to do that and to the extent that you've been able to overcome that yourself how do you advise others to do it so i tell them to look at all the things all the tasks that repeat themselves a lot and then invest a little bit of time in figuring out how to automate those. So that could be a little bit different in every business. Uh, but whether that's uh, invoicing, uh, some, businesses ha some businesses have a lot of invoices coming out. Some businesses don't have that many. But if you do have many, then figure out how to make that the most efficient process it can be. Um, you know, all sorts of different things that can be happening in the business. If you add up the time spent on those tasks um, and that time is substantial, then try to automate that first. And that will save you a lot of the time, whether reconciling the data later on or just kind of manually, you know, moving one thing from one uh, software to another and things like that. Mm. And unlike forecasting or maybe some other kinds of analysis, there's really no upside to, to doing the data entry manually yourself. I would say that there is a downside to it because we all make mistakes. 
people make mistakes. And um, I think if you have, especially if you have a large volume of these things, uh, no matter who does it, if they have to go through a thousand data entries, um, I would be surprised if there wasn't a mistake in that. So technology can actually also make it much more robust, much more reliable, much more, you know, increase the quality, not just, uh, not just save you the time. What is the best advice you've ever received? So I would say in terms of overall career advice, maybe it would be to follow your curiosity. I think that's such a good advice to kind of really try to find what interests you, what makes you excited and follow that. And that's what I'm doing um, to some extent with Tiny CFO. And I'm just uh, kind of going where it pulls me. Um, and I think that's a, that's a very enjoyable journey and I would, I would recommend that. And then when it comes to more finance uh, related things, I would say uh, the concept of zooming in and out to look at both the detail and to be able to then step back and look at the big picture. I think that's a very, very important skill or approach um, to not lose the sight of one or the other. Um, and I try to keep that in mind whenever I do something that requires me to be in the data and then, um, and then also uh, understand how it affects everything else. Which other finance leaders do you talk to and learn from regularly? So I would say that, first of all, I am constantly learning from the entrepreneurs uh, who I work with. So the best learning for me comes from figuring out how to make their lives a bit easier. Um, so you probably wouldn't call them finance leaders, but to me, they're definitely their leaders and they're um, even if we don't talk about finance specifically, just to understanding the pain points and trying to understand how I can solve them is, is that's excellent learning from me, uh, for me. Other than that, I would say many of my close friends work in finance. So we exchange thoughts quite often and that way the professional really blends with the personal and I quite like it. And then there are a few podcasts and newsletters that I follow, but um, I think um, I'm very happy for you know, and then there are a few resources that I follow, but really I am mostly uh, excited about learning from the entrepreneurs and learning from that immediate circle um, with who we exchange thoughts all the time. And finally, why did you join CFO Connect? It's just such a great community to learn from and exchange ideas with. Um, you get to see what questions others are trying to find answers to rather than only seeing what's on your plate in your company. And I think there is a huge value in that combined breadth and depth of experience that you sort of instantly get access to. So I really love to be a part of it and just uh, see what others, um, what others struggle with or what they, what they want to talk about. Jana Kovachowska, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.